Oh, come on. Amen. Sit down. Sit down. Stop. <laughs> that was the funnest offering I've ever been on. That was awesome. That was awesome. My goodness, that worship was absolutely beautiful, wasn't it? My goodness. Victoria and the team, that was beautiful. Give them a hand. My gosh. Woo. I, I just knew it. I could feel. I was telling Lisa, I was just saying, I, you know, I spent 20 years in Kansas City at the House of Prayer. I said, I'm feeling the prayer room anointing. I'm feeling the prayer room anointing. And she goes, she loves Misty Edwards. And Misty Edwards, one of our main worship leaders there forever. And anyway, so I could just feel it. I could feel the Kansas City vibe and home. And anyway, so anyway, I don't even know exactly what that is, but I was feeling it. So um, I was just loving it and feeling at home. Just that effortless communion and love for Jesus. I got tender, man. It was beautiful. All right, good. Well, um, my name's Corey, and uh, I'm glad to be with you guys. I, uh, I've written five books, but I only brought one. I'm kind of in a season. I don't know if it's just being lazy or whatever, but I, I'm not really even taking my books with me. I usually just tell people, go to Amazon. And, uh, but I, I felt led to, to have one of my books brought here and for you guys to get this. Second book I wrote is called The Glory Within, and it's called The Interior Life and the Power of Speaking in Tongues. And I feel like God wants to train us and awaken the body of Christ to the glory that's dwelling on the inside. And it's about engaging a person. It's not about a badge you have. It's about connection with a person. And I, uh, I'll probably be teaching on this in the morning, but uh, I want to I give that. Who'd like to have that? All right, you get it right over here. All right, good, good. Bless you guys. I think we got them right over here. That's the one I brought. I've got other, five other books that I've done on the knowledge of God, glory within, a book on meditation in the word, a book on prayer, a book called Inheritance, and uh, then uh, we have a book coming out in December called Teach Us to Pray. So anyway, I just love being here. It's my first time to New Hampshire, and... Uh, I love it, I love it, and uh, I've always wanted to come. Ever since I was a kid, I would watch What About Bob, and he'd go, New Hampshire? And I've always had that in my heart for all these years. New Hampshire? <laughs> so I'm like, man, I got to get there. So uh, the Lord set it all up, and uh, anyway, I got friends here from Maine, John and Linda Eckhart from uh, Topsom, Maine, and... Yeah, love them. Got good friends right here, Rick and Robin McLaughlin from Bangor, Maine. And I uh, got Linda Allard right over here, right up the road around here. Yeah, I just love, I love you, Linda. And um, anyway, so I imagine there's others of you around here. Uh, but um, anyway, go ahead and turn with me to Isaiah 6, and we'll just jump in. But um, yeah, 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 you got it. So you guys get that book after, and then... Also, one of the big things that I'm doing in this season, I've done five books, five prayer albums. Uh, my main passion in this life is connecting people to God. I'm a friend of the bridegroom. I just want to introduce you to the bridegroom and then get out of the way and let y'all do your thing. And just get out of the way 
so that you can fall madly in love with Jesus. So I'm, I'm a connector. And so everything that I'm doing is about connecting you to Jesus. And uh, one of the big things I'm doing in this season, but I, I, I maybe throw up that slide, I'm really going after online classes in this season. And we've got CoreyRussellOnline.com uh, and uh, whatever, it'll come up in a second. I'll just talk. And when it comes up, it comes up. Oh, there it is. And so CoreyRussellOnline.com, I'm doing a bunch of online courses. It's where I've been living, is in my office doing Zoom calls. And what I'm finding is that God's bringing forth a tribe to, to go on a journey with and go. I love conferences. I've been doing it for 20 years. God uses this as the explosion, but I feel like he's wanting to take us even deeper on a journey as we go into these things. And so I do ones on the Teach Us to Pray. We did one on Joel's Sermon on the Mount. And then I've got one starting this week coming up called Pursuit of the Holy. And if you guys put in awakening in the code, you get 15% off for you guys that are here. And uh, it's about the knowledge of God, which is what I'm going to go into tonight. And so I, I love that picture, the people who did that, because that's literally the way that I talk about the knowledge of God. But I put us in a little, little boat, and he's the Pacific Ocean. And literally, that's what we're going into. So that'll bless you. You guys get that, CoreyRussellOnline.com. Lord, we love you so much. God, we love your presence. And Father, we just ask you today, tonight, and God, I'm so excited, my good buddy Brian coming. Another thing that we're doing is we're doing an online thing with him, but Lord, I just pray that you would release your presence tonight. I pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your son to touch our hearts. I pray for light to touch our minds, light to touch our emotions, light to touch our desires. I pray for that spirit of revelation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I love it. I was with Brian last month right before uh, John, John and Linda's conference, and I did the first part, and he's coming after. And I always get to tell everybody, I said, uh, I'm like John the Baptist. There's one coming after me who is greater than I. <laughs> and he says, shut up. And I say, whatever. <laughs> He's my good buddy, but I love that dude. <laughs> okay, good. I'm just kind of enjoying you guys and enjoying the presence. Is that okay? All right, I'm just kind of easing. And I'm, a, I'm an Arkansas boy, and so born and raised. And, uh, and uh, I just love coming up here in New England and making fun of all y'all's accents. <laughs> well, I got all the Arkansas accents. And so I was just talking to Rob, and she was talking about Bahaba, Bar Harbor. And... Uh, Anyway, whatever, that's a joke. <laughs> I'm from Arkansas, so we got all of our own accents. So uh, anyway, got radically born again in 1997. Got hit by the power of God in a college parking lot. And I, it's a long story, but I went about as far out there on drugs that you can go. And if I didn't get saved when I got saved, I'd have probably been dead in two weeks. And the, I mean, that's why, you know, he was just talking about how grateful I am for the mercy of God. I was, I'm writing, a, I'm, I'm just kind of, I was flying over here today and just writing on another book I'll do on the gift of tears. And I started thinking about Mary's tears in Luke 7 and how she came into the room weeping behind Jesus and she anointed his feet with her tears. And I said, those tears were screaming, thank you. <laughs> Tears that scream thank you. 
And you take your tears and you anoint his feet with those tears. I'm grateful for the mercy of God. He hit my life on February 18, 97 in a parking lot. And born again, I'm in a college park like kids running everywhere and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, Jesus Christ, I give you my life, I'm yours. And on that moment, I passed from death to life, forgiven of all my sins, years of drug addiction, broken in a moment, alcohol addiction, perversion, all of it, power of God, amen, amen, all of it. I got the 10 for one special. I got the one-stop shop, man. I got bang. And I, I came home for that. Um, I'm getting old Brian's spirit on me on here, man. I just like it's kind of hanging and talking, and it's just kind of <laughs> I'm usually a little bit more intense, but uh <laughs> I'm getting Brian's uh anyway, so um <laughs> but anyway, um I love it. And so, uh, Bri uh, not Brian, but uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. So, um, Um, <laughs> I remember going home that afternoon. <laughs> I sat on my uh, I sat on my porch swing for two hours the day I got saved, and I was undone by how blue the sky was how green the grass was and how loud the birds were. And I had, it's like I had been dead for 20 years and I was alive. And my God, my God. <laughs> and uh, I, had a, I, had a, I had a drug ring of friends that had encounters like that or bigger in their explosions. And I led my brother to the Lord who went crazy for Jesus. And my first six months of my salvation were five meetings a week till three in the morning. God breaking in, just getting drunk in the spirit, blasted in the spirit, and just getting blown up. We saw half the high school come to Jesus, and I just got undone. I preached to everybody everywhere. And uh, I really began to connect to the old mama intercessors in the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a feeling she's one of them. Got a feeling. Got a feeling. <laughs> and so I'm hanging out. I'm a 20 year old freak right out of the world, and I'm just hanging out with a couple of 50 year old women and <laughs> one 80 year old woman. And uh, these, <laughs> these girls taught me how to pray. That's all I hung out with, man. I had three best friends. That's who I hung out with, man. 
And they taught me about early morning prayer and late night prayer. They go, Corey, you don't need your favorite song on. You got tongues in the Bible. <laughs> you got tongues in the Bible. <laughs> and so uh, I just fell in love with prayer. Fell in love with being near Jesus, his presence. I got madly, I had, I had just gotten my second DWI, so the first, six, for first 18 months of my salvation, I didn't have a license. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't have nowhere to go. I just, I just hanging out all day and just said, I fell madly in love with the presence of God. And I'd read my Bible for like 10 hours a day and had to get all those rap lyrics out of my head and get new things going on. But I just fell in love with the presence of God. At the end of the day, I just love his presence more than anything else. And I want to build my life around the flame. I want to build my life around the flame and, and being near him. I always think about Joshua in Exodus 33. It says that Moses would meet in the tabernacle of meeting and then go out to meet with the people. And then it says Joshua the son of Nun would uh, linger. He would, he would stay in the tabernacle a little longer. I believe God's raising up a generation that will linger a little longer. Just linger a little longer. And that's where actually God's going to prepare the next generation of leadership is in proximity to the presence. And so that's ultimately who I am. I just love his presence more than anything else. And and that's what drove me to say, you know what, i got to do this for a living. God, can I do this for a living? And he says, go to Kansas City. And so me and my wife, been married 22 years, my beautiful wife Dana, I, and i got three daughters, 20, 17, and 10. And at the time, it was just my wife and my oldest, and we moved to Kansas City. And, uh, uh, and I, I didn't ever have a, I'm going to pray so that my ministry gets unlocked. That was never in my mind. It wasn't, this is a, I'm going to pay my dues with Jesus to get, get, a, get opportunities. Jesus was the goal. <laughs> Jesus wasn't a stepladder into my destiny. He is my destiny. And I was saying, God, if you'll just let me, if you'll just pay the bills, help me, Jesus. Help me with, I'll raise support. I'm not very good, but I'll do some support letters I was a teacher, so I'd do some algebra uh, tutoring on the side, but wasn't very good. <laughs> I said, I'll do whatever I got to do. Just let me sit on row two so I can just cry over Bible verses, and I can ask you to send a glorious historic revival to our nation and the nations of the earth. God, could I do that? Could, would you let me just be in the room? I'll pace in an empty room. I don't care. I didn't sign up for crowds. I, I, I signed up for him, and I signed up to look at him. And really, when you catch such a big vision of God, it's always a step down, no matter how big or small the crowd is. <laughs> Billy Graham's got to step down to talk to a stadium. I know he passed away several years ago, but I'm just saying point is, I don't care how big the stage is or how little the room is, there's somebody bigger I've been talking to. Anyway, so just fell in love with him, and so I, I'm just taking my time to get into tonight, 
But um, I've, I've fallen in love with Jesus, and I fell, in some, I fell in love with something called the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God, the spirit of revelation. There's a prayer in Ephesians 1 that I believe is the most important prayer that we need to be praying in this hour. And I'll get to Isaiah 6 in a little bit because we really need to recalibrate as the body of Christ right now. Especially in this election cycle, we really need to come out of the second heavens chatter and really lock eyes with the one on the throne. It's, it's, it's imperative or we're going to lose our witness with defiled speech. And we really got to connect with him. And so that Ephesians 1, I don't know if you guys put verses up here, but whatever. I'll just say it to you. Ephesians 1, 16 through 19, Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus is that, he goes, I can't stop praying for you that the God of Jesus... <laughs> The God of God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he calls him my favorite title of God in Scripture. He calls him the Father of Glory. El Padre de Gloria. Father of Glory. That he would give to you, the church, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The hymn he's talking about is Jesus. He's just spent 14 verses laying out every blessing that we have in Jesus. We're chosen before the foundation of the world to stand before him in love. We're accepted in the beloved. We stand before him redeemed by his blood, forgiven of his sins. We have his spirit living on the inside of us. We know the mystery of his will. He's going to bring together everything in heaven and everything on earth together in himself. We know where this is going. We have an inheritance. He lays out like 14 blessings, and then he prays, that's what you have, but you need a breakthrough right here of what you have. You need a living encounter with the spirit of revelation to touch you and to awaken you to the revelation of Christ so that it would be more than just truths and facts, but that you would move into a realm of encounter and into a realm of experience. It's that John 17, 3, this is eternal life, to know you. And so that prayer, get your eyes open. that You would know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, the greatness of his power which he worked in Christ. And I got a hold of that verse right when I moved to Kansas City, and I'd sit on row two, and I'd just cry, saying, I want to know you for real. I want to know you for real. I don't want to dance around Mike Bickle's fire. I'm not satisfied. Don't send me. I think John of the Cross said, don't send me any more messengers. <laughs> don't send me any more messengers. I want you. <laughs> And I began to get this insatiable, intense, passionate, raw God cry on the inside of me. I want to know you for real. When that thing touches you, man, that's a holy virus. That'll mess your life up. That thing's dangerous. 
And I just gave myself to it. And I said, God, I want to know you. And so I would read big books on the attributes of God. I'd read books on the eternity of God, that God has no beginning and he has no end. (laughs) That God is infinite. He's transcendent. He's unchangeable. He's eternal. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's totally other than. His glory is above the highest of the heavens. And I just begin to say, God, expand my view of who I'm talking to. Who are you? Who are you? The one who is there in your very first verse of your Bible. When did you begin? And I just ask those questions and just meditate and just gush and ah! Who are you? And who are you? And then get your head really blown over the infinite transcendent awesome God becoming a seed in a virgin's womb. (laughs) Guys, your Netflix watching will go down when you start thinking these thoughts, man. (laughs) I just got fascinated with Jesus and Father and Holy Spirit. Anyway, I just want to keep stoking that flame. But I feel like it's really important in a season like this. Go ahead and look with me in Isaiah 6. And I'll start here and then we'll just talk about, we'll just talk about the knowledge of God tonight. I'm asking myself and I'm asking the body of Christ. I'm asking God for the body of Christ in this hour. It says that in the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah might have been one of the greatest kings In in Jerusalem's history, he reigned for 52 years. He did more to elevate Jerusalem to, he was a builder, he was a, he operated, he built things, he he was an, he he was genius, he was an entrepreneur. The things he built out, but he got so filled with pride, as king, he thought as king, he could step in and began to offer incense in the temple, and he tried to step over into that priestly calling. And those two offices were separate, and he broke into the temple to try to burn incense, and the priest came against him, and leprosy broke out on him, and he lived the rest of his life in shame, away from everything, and he died in shame. And what you see right here in Isaiah 6 is that the very key moment right here and it's so interesting all the other prophets their commissioning comes usually in chapter one Isaiah is one of the only prophets that you see is commissioning in chapter six and I think it's because he had to go on his own journey of coming out of just being a national prophet for the king And the Lord wanted to bring him into a whole nother stratosphere in chapter 6. And it says that in the year that King Uzziah died, so when this disgraced king dies, look at what he says. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. 
and the train of his robe filling the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone. That word means cut off. I'm cut off because I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, to know what they would do with lepers is whenever you would see a leper in the city, you would yell at them, unclean, unclean, unclean. They were unclean people. And now Isaiah is getting a revelation the uncleanness that was personified in Uzziah is actually touching my life. I'm a man of unclean lips. And he says, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Look at this. Your lips get exposed when your eyes get open. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Lips get exposed when eyes get open. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. And the Lord commissioned him. I just, you know, there's a lot, but this is what the Holy Spirit was whispering to me all afternoon. And he's, and I just want to say to us, as it is an hour for the body of Christ to get up to a higher place. It is an hour for the body of Christ. I am, I understand November 7th around the corner. We are, there's voting. And I believe in standing for rights and you vote what you vote and you stand where you stand. I know where I stand. I know where our family stands and that's the way we're going. But aside from all of that conversations, I feel like there's an invitation for the church to come up higher to a higher place of perspective because before I'm a citizen of America, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and we've got to see someone higher than whoever's going to be the next president. We have got to enter into a higher realm of vision. Because I believe that Isaiah was so enamored by Uzziah, he was so enamored and all of his hopes were based on the king in office that when Uzziah died, Isaiah got exposed. And I believe there's so many prophets who are like Isaiah, who don't get commissioned till later because they were so intergrained with whoever was in office. Prophets are called to be men and women from a different age, from a different place, bringing the word of the Lord from heaven. And I believe that God wants to raise up a prophetic people in this hour, messengers in this hour, messengers in this hour, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. John 12 tells us it's Jesus. When Isaiah saw him in his glory, Isaiah is seeing Jesus sitting on the throne. 
And I just kept hearing, this is what the Holy Spirit was highlighting to me during worship, high and lifted up. High and lifted up. It's time for Jesus to go higher. It's time for the buzzwords and the catchphrases, the bumper stickers, the t-shirts. We need a renewed vision of the majesty of Jesus Christ. We need a renewed vision of the glory of Jesus Christ, of the beauty of Jesus Christ, of the magnanimous glory of Jesus Christ, that he is supreme, he is preeminent, he is firstborn over all creation. He is the beginning, he's the first, and he's the last. He is preeminent over everything. He sits in the highest of the heavens. He has been given the name that is above every name. We got to go higher, church. We got to quit scrounging around the table, waiting for the portions that anybody of this age has come. And we've got to see Him who is high and lifted up. We got to connect to the heavenly sanctuary. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, train of the robe, filled the temple. I heard seraphim singing, I heard the burning one singing. To one another, here's the Lord, seraphim on both sides, and they're antiphonalizing with each other. They're doing antiphonal singing, singing to one another. Holy, 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 Lord of hosts, the Lord, the captain of the armies of, of heaven. It's the angel armies. It's the Jesus who is the king. He's the captain of the Lord of hosts. He's the captain of the angel armies. And they're singing, the whole earth is full of his glory. This is the king that's coming, friend. His whole, the whole earth is gonna be filled with the glory. And then the, this is what hits me. When he hears the undefiled proclamation, the undefiled witness of the glory of Jesus in heaven, what's the first thing that hits Isaiah? What have I been talking about? What have been my messages? What do I talk about? He's not talking about a cussing problem. He's not, you know, I slip up every once in a while when I stub my toe. Now, what's he talking about? When he says, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. After hearing the undefiled witness of the seraphim, the burning ones. That's what their names mean, are the burning ones. When Isaiah heard the burning, pure witness concerning the glory of Jesus, he got exposed. And he says, how far have my messages fallen? I want to connect to the, to the undefiled witness of heaven. What would happen if Brian's flight, God forbid, couldn't get in tomorrow and one of those seraphim were going to be tomorrow night's preacher? Revelation 4.8 says they have eyes around and within. Okay? Burning creatures. And on this, we see they have six wings. Two they fly. Two they cover their feet. Two they cover their eyes. Is that what they're doing? Six wings. Bang, bang, bang. 
And let, what's it say that they do? It says, and he covered his face. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And the other four hiding the eyes and the feet. Holy ground. Holy beauty. And all oh, they can't even look at him because they're covered. And they're shouting, holy, holy. What would happen if one of those burning creatures were to show up tomorrow night and preach? Eyes around and within. Eyes around and within. What would they preach about? What would their message be? What would they preach on? What would they talk about? Would they not blow our minds with rapturous descriptions of the beauty of Jesus Christ? Would they not so elevate and extol and magnify the glory of this man? Would they not charm us and fascinate us and put salt on our tongues and say, friend, do you know what you're made for? We know that we have been brought into realities that of things that angels desire to look into. Here's the glory. Jesus didn't become an angel. When the angels fell, he didn't become an angel. Anyway, we're going to... That's a whole nother vortex. The glory of humanity. And would we not demand of those who preach to us from this pulpit, speak to us from the mount of divine vision... Or remain silent altogether. I believe there's a new breed of prophets that are arising. I believe there's a new breed of worship leader prophets. When I'm hearing Victoria tonight, and I'm hearing the team, I'm hearing that, that prophetic messenger reality. Who are the ones that can enter into that undefiled witness of the glory of Christ? His glory, his beauty, his humility, his meekness, his eyes, his heart, his groans. We get lost in him. Oh, we need the spirit of revelation. I'm not talking about, guys. And I believe he's wanting to cleanse the prophetic church in this hour. I believe he wants to expose, convict, and cleanse our undefiled speech. Isaiah's lips were connected to Uzziah's destiny. And I believe we're going to see a whole new breed of prophets arise. And we're going to see it explode like no other time. That Ephesians 1 prayer, I believe, is an absolute must in this hour. I believe Matthew 16, the who do you say that I am? Question is the question of the hour. Who is this man? He's either a raving, lying lunatic, or he is the promised Messiah who would come through David's loins and sit on David's throne 
He's either the promised Messiah or he's a liar. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the promised one. You are the anointed one and his anointing. You are the promised Israel's Messiah that's going to bring redemption to the whole earth. He's coming in his glory and his power. He came. He shrouded all of his glory in a five-foot-five Jewish frame. There was nothing, nothing spectacular about him that we should so desire him. And yet the one through whom made everything was born into the world he made. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of man. Okay, John, give us something that's going to blow our heads. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory is of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. You need to feel the very ground underneath you shaking. Some of you are waiting for another prophetic encounter. How about you let that thing shake you and wake you? Let that deliver you from let's get something new. I'm here to tell you revival is not out with the old and in with the new. It's out with the old and in with the even older, the Bible. It's when the old stuff you thought you knew confronts you and exposes you and introduces you to a realm of vision that you didn't even know existed. There is a realm of revelation. There's a realm of encounter. The Word was made flesh. That's what Paul was talking about, mystery of godliness. Great is the mystery of godliness. God manifested in the flesh. Got that one down? Yeah. How did Jesus not explode? You got an oak tree and a little pot plant walking around. You got the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in him bodily. The image of the invisible God. The word of life who our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, our hands have handled. The life was manifested. It's time to fall in love with Jesus again. It's time to get a high and lifted up vision of Jesus. He's the firstborn over all creation. He's the firstborn among many brethren. He gathered us up into himself and for 33 years walked every temptation that's common to us it came at him and he trusted the father through every temptation every emotion every arrow every experience he's a sympathizing high priest you know what that means I get it whatever you want to put in the blank he gets it and he trusted the Father and did not sin through one arrow of the Father, through one arrow of the evil one. He walked through it, gathered us up into himself. I have no doubts that the, the lie around him is you don't know who your daddy is. There's only been one woman in history that's had the Holy Spirit brood over her virgin womb and she conceived of the Son of God. That's only happened once. 
So you, you don't know who your dad is. He gets it. John 8, they go, we know who our father is. Jesus goes, yeah, your father's the devil. <laughs> your dad's the devil. Come on, Jesus. Are we okay? Are we okay? I just want to put salt in your tongue tonight. That's all I care about doing. I want to reorient us. We got to go high and lift it up. Or we're going to get really depressed or really too happy. If you get too happy on November 7th, or if you get too depressed on November 7th, you're still living in the second heavens. Because I don't care either direction, there is one high and lifted up. And the church has to get reoriented. We got to go higher. Look with me in Revelation 1. So Jesus comes. Every temptation that's common, he absorbed. He climbed up on that cross. And he died on the cross. He received in his body the punishment for our sins. He took us into that grave, rose again three days later. Ascended to the right hand of the Father, where Jesus has been in full-time ministry for the last 2,000 years. Do you know Jesus is in ministry? Do you know that? It's not like it's lazy boy season until something else happens. He's in full-blown intercession right now. The very fact that a man is at the right hand of the Father representing us before the throne, he's in intercession. His blood is making intercession. His words are making intercession. But we know he's returning. Amen? Do you believe that he is returning? That's where our hope is anchored. That's the true biblical hope. We anchor ourselves to the coming of his kingdom. It doesn't produce escapism. It produces engagement. It doesn't produce fear. It produces faith. It delivers you from fear. And it makes you buoyant and hope and confidence and love. It breaks off timidity. And it puts on you a fierce fire. I'm here to tell you right now that I believe that we're living in the generation of his return. Whether that's five or 50 years, we don't know. But I want to tell you this. It's going to be the greatest hour of human history. The church is going to shine. The church is going to radiate the glory of God. We are going to come out of the kiddie pool. And we're going to begin to grow up into the head. We're going to become a perfect man. We're going to come into the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God. 
We're not going to be tossed to and fro anymore about the latest teaching out there. We're going to grow up and we're going to fall in love with God and we're going to fall in love with each other. It's not going to be first Baptist of whatever this and first this or that. It's going to be the church, the bride that begins to throw off the ugly garments of compromise and apathy and sin and throw off works-based religion and we're going to come into bridal identity. We're going to come into radiating righteousness because we know we're righteous. We're going to act righteous because we know we're righteous. We're going to love Him. We're going to be in unity with the Holy Spirit. We're going to love the Holy Spirit. We're going to honor the Holy Spirit. We're going to love what Holy Spirit loves, and Holy Spirit loves Jesus. We're going to come out of compromise. We're going to, we're going to lose our addiction to the lesser lovers. We're going to lose our addiction to the lesser pleasures. And we're going to tap into the pleasures of knowing and loving God. And a lot of us just think, well, it's just going to be awesome and all of our problems go away. No, when the true church begins to arise, the devil's going to manifest. We're going to see great darkness and great light rise at the same time. It's going to be the book of Acts. Everybody loves Acts 2. Nobody wants to talk about Acts 5. Everybody loves glory until glory starts killing people. And that's what we're going into. We're going to see the glory of God like no other time. We're going to see the church madly in love with Jesus Christ. We're going to see the church love righteousness when nobody's watching. Hey! And we're going to see the rage of Satan like no other time. Revelation 12 tells us he knows his time is short. He's going to be scurrying around and there's going to be great rage. And he's in a tough dilemma. If I keep them alive, they're just going to ransack the kingdom everywhere. But if I kill them, they're going to go underneath the throne, under the altar, and enter in to the martyr's intercession to speed up the coming of the day of the Lord. What do I do? A church that begins to throw off and begins to enter into glory. <laughs> We're going to see the rage of Satan. We're going to see the sin of man. Because that's the, that's the condemnation. John tells us, light has come into the world. Da, 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 da. And men love darkness rather than the light. That's the pain of God. Is that we think if light comes, it all goes well. The painful thing is when light's manifested, what's hidden on the inside comes to the out. And we are going to see the sin of man rise to untold heights. And we're going to see the judgments of God as God openly confronts wickedness and darkness and removes everything that hinders love. Like the, can like the surgeon cuts out the cancer, he is going to remove everything that hinders love. 
and we're going to come into a new place. Beloved, why am I talking about this? Because I took you to Revelation 1. Do you know the last book of the Bible is not called the Revelation of Satan? It's not called the Revelation of the Antichrist. It's not called the Revelation of seals, trumpets, and bowls. Do you read that? What's the very first verse of Revelation 1 say? Say it louder. Say it again. The revelation of Jesus. It's the revelation of his beauty, of his majesty, of his mind, of his ways, of his leadership. As he takes that scroll and administrates the contents of the Father's plan and bringing the kingdom to the earth. We're going to see that increasing in the, in the seasons leading up to it. Revival are the contraction seasons of the full birth of his kingdom on the earth. But we're going to see the increasing, like waves, the contractions. Anyway. <laughs> That's what revival is. It's contractions. How many moms had babies in here? Revivals are the contractions. Those divine seasons when God overtakes cities and regions with the manifest presence of God. Satan cast down like lightning where whispers turn into a thousand saved. The spirit of conviction resting on regions. No, no, do you understand what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about falling down more. We're all going to fall down. And I'm about to talk about Revelation 1. We're going to fall forward, actually. I'm talking about the manifest presence of God touching the main interstate out here that if there is human child trafficking, they drive to the police station and they turn themselves in because of the fear of God that's resting on them. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a zone of the glory of God that is so palpable that drug rings cannot exist in this region. The child human trafficking rings are destroyed by the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Jesus. That, that's what's in my heart. Okay? That's what's in my heart. That's why I'll be back up at 6 a.m. on Monday morning and I'll be in a room saying, do it, God. Do it. I got a lot to talk about. Revelation 1's crazy. It's phenomenal. But go with me to verse 10. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Give me a high five. You are so enjoyable. 
All right, everybody look at verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. So picture it like this. John's right here. He's facing this direction. And he hears behind him a loud voice as of a trumpet. And the voice says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. What you see, write it in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia Minor. These would have been seven churches that John was an apostle over. John, here's the voice behind him. Okay, look at verse 12. He says, then I turned to see the voice. I turned to see the voice. And having turned, I saw. A couple of key revelations right here. He didn't see till he turned. And it was in the turn that he saw. I believe God is speaking, and I believe he's raising up trumpets in this hour that are shouting to the church. And I believe for the last season, we have heard voices. We have recognized voices. But I believe we're moving into a new season where God is requiring a turning on our part and a reorienting of our lives for us to do more than just hear someone else's message and say amen, but I believe that God is requiring a turning and a new orientation about us so that what we've been hearing becomes our revelation and we begin to move into something new into God instead of just rejoicing that we heard somebody else say it. It's gonna require a turning if you wanna move into the next season. No, hear me, Exodus 3, this is a direct playoff of the burning bush. This is a direct playoff of the burning bush. Moses, 80 years old, on the backside of Midian, tending his father-in-law Jethro's flock of sheep. And he says, I see a bush as on fire, but why wasn't it consumed? And it says that when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look at the bush, that's when he called to him from the bush. That there are encounters that are waiting for a turning. There are encounters that are waiting for a turning. Most of us are so happy. I heard, and it's right behind us. I heard it, I heard it, I heard it, I heard it. I heard it, I heard it. John, history would have never been changed if John didn't do this. History was changed when he turned. There are things, there are people that you need to turn away from in this season. There are people that you're hanging out with every day that need to move to once a month coffees. Because they're not, want, they're not really into this. And they've been evangelizing you longer you've been evangelizing them. You need to turn away from things from substances, from people that are in a certain way. Number two, you got to learn how to turn within. This is tomorrow's message about learning how to commune and break through into the glory within. Connect with the Holy Ghost. Connect with your tour guide into the revelation of Jesus. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Not do you feel Him. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? You intimate with Him. Do you talk to him? What's he saying to you? 
You cultivated a well on the inside. And then you got to turn to others. you got to find brothers and sisters that will sing your song back to you when you forget it. You need to get away from people who are looking to do the least amount of possible and stay saved. You need to look at people that are going to say, let's go, let's do this. Let's do this, let's go. Let's do this, let's go, let's go, let's reorient ourselves. Let's, get our, let's do whatever we got to do. Let's get to that prayer meeting. Let's do this day of fasting. Let's do this Bible study. Let's get into this way. I, don't want, I want people to sing my song back to me when I forget it. Instead of looking for friends that I'm constantly trying to pull up. I like to be talked to a little bit. Come on. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. What I love is that he didn't see Jesus first. He saw where Jesus lives. Jesus is always in the middle of the church. (laughs) Jesus loves the church. And can I give you a prophecy? Ephesians 5. Oh, I thought it was going to be a different prophecy. He will present to himself a glorious church. We are going to radiate. And we're going we're gonna to shine. We're going to shine. Without spot or wrinkle. And you know what, you know what I love about this? That it's seven lampstands? These are some jacked up folk. Some messed up people. I mean, we all romanticize this. You look at Revelation 2 and 3, some jacked up folk. And you know why I love Jesus so much? He goes, yeah. But she's mine. He's not the prophet outside screaming woes at her. He's the intercessor in the middle of her. And he goes, I'm standing. And what you'll see in the very next verse is he's standing as a high priest in the middle of the church. And the revelation of a priestly movement that, get, that quits just bashing the church and gets in the middle of the church and labors for her to get into fully and to enter into fully what Jesus died for. We need a priestly people to get off of Facebook and get out of chat rooms. And we need intercessors to get into prayer rooms and to begin to declare back to Jesus and declare to her who Jesus is and begin to break off the apostasy, break off the compromise until she shines. I remember this. We had an awakening in Kansas City in 2009 and 10. 10 months of 7,000 testimonies. Ten months of 7,000 testimonies. And one of our leaders one night had a vision. And she's driving a car, and Jesus is in the back seat. And, and he sees laying in his lap is a woman with just the dirtiest wedding gown you've ever seen. The most mangled, her hair's all jacked up. She's ugly as everything. And she's rough. And the girl's driving, this, this friend of mine's driving and she looks back and she thinks to herself, my God, she looks rough. 
And all that Jesus is doing is he has his hand and he's massaging her heart. And Jesus responds to her thought in the vision by saying, you should have seen her when I found her. He says, I'm going to continually massage this heart until she lives again, until she breathes again. Do you know Jesus doesn't get discouraged? I do. You do. Isaiah 42, he does not get discouraged. He's the happiest intercessor. It says that he will not be discouraged until he brings forth justice in the nations. You know, Isaiah 42 says that he loves to come around barely lit candles, smoldering wicks, and he doesn't snuff us out. You know what he does with you in your most smoldering, I'm barely here seasons? And he blows, and he blows, and he blows, blows, and he blows, and he blows, and he blows. Till we breathe again. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, he said, love is patient. That was the first one. Because that's what he is. He's seen a lot more jacked up people than you. I promise you. <laughs> All right. He's an intercessor. Get out of chat rooms and get into prayer rooms. It don't feel awesome a lot of times. But you keep telling God what he tells you to tell him. And you fall in love with what God falls in love with. And you start seeing incremental change. Days, and you've got to evaluate it, not in days and weeks, but in decades. <laughs> he's an intercessor, and his, he has the garment down to the feet, and he's girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair is white like wool. Jesus is a good leader. He's a brilliant leader. And do you know that whatever he's doing in your life now, it's to prepare you for billions of years on the sea of glass? So it might be a, a tough five years. It might be a tough decade. But that's nothing compared to what he's doing in you to burn on the sea of glass forever, singing of his mercy and of his faithfulness to carry you through the darkest of storms and to carry you through the darkest of seasons. His leadership is perfect. He's the eternal leader, which means he's thinking big picture. His head and hair white like wool. I, I would encourage you, start telling Jesus he's a good leader, even if you don't believe it. Even if you want to be like the clay that says, hey, Potter, sit down. I'll take it from here because you don't know what you're talking about. Nothing wrecks me like my kids that come up. Sometimes I'll just tell Jesus that. I'll go, 
you know, you're, you're a good leader. You ever had your kid come up to you and say, you're a good dad? Everybody say his eyes. See, we're going to talk about Jesus tonight. What are we going to talk about? Can we talk about him? Well, Jesus isn't on a cross anymore. Everybody say his eyes. I love the gospels. I love his eyes in the gospels. I love when he saw the, when he looked at this woman or he looked at that woman or he looked at this person. But you know that Jesus has torches of fire in his eyes right now. There are torches of fire in his eyes. He is jealous jealousy. If you want revival in your life, look at that fire. That's all you got to do. I don't care how cold you are. I don't care how indifferent you are. Look at the fire. The fire that's in his eyes will become the fire that's in your soul. It will melt away coldness. It will melt away indifference. It will melt away hardness. It will melt away unforgiveness. It will melt away bitterness. It will melt away what they did to me. It will melt away, I'm going to get them back. It will burn all toleration of Jezebel. It'll get up in the middle of that little pornography side thing you got. It'll get up in the middle of those shows you watch. It'll get up in the middle of that stuff you watch on Instagram. It'll get up in the middle of stuff. It'll confront it and say that fire was made to consume you. I want to consume you with my fire. I want to set my fire on your heart. I want to set a fire in you when nobody's watching that you burn. There's fire in his eyes. Oh, he's going to release fire on the earth. <laughs> All right, we talk about his fire. His feet. I'm going to stop. We're about to drown. <laughs> His feet are like burnished bronze. What? He's the God who steps in. He's the God that tramples the works of darkness. He's the God, and I'm thankful for this, who frustrates my sinful agendas sometimes. Who in here is grateful that Jesus stepped in? And didn't let you go through with what you were wanting to go through with. And he frustrated it. I'm grateful when Jesus steps in. His voice, like the sound of many waters. Out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. His words, they cut. They divide soul from spirit. In his right hand are seven stars, seven angels, seven messengers, but it speaks about his care. I always think of John 10. No one's able to snatch anyone out of my Father's hand. I call it the vice grip of heaven. He holds you in his hand. He holds you in his hand. 
and his face is like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. I didn't say a courtesy fall. I fell at his feet as though I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me, and what did he say? Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore. And then what does Jesus say to his own statement? Amen. <laughs> Jesus goes, that was good. You know you're good when you're amen in yourself. Jesus goes, amen. And I have keys of hell and the grave. Hallelujah. I love that the book of Revelation doesn't start about us running around from big bad devil, but it starts with such a glorious revelation of Jesus Christ, the conqueror of death, the one who has the keys the one who's our intercessor, the one who's a brilliant leader, the one with eyes of fire, the one with feet like bronze, the one with voice like water, the one with the sword, the one with the hands, the one with the face. He's our one, and it's time for the church to see him, to break through, to break through into a realm of revelation, into a realm of vision. He is the Son of Man. He's the Son of God. He's the bright and the morning star. He's the bridegroom king. He's the judge of the whole earth. He is the Savior, the bridegroom. He's the bread of heaven, the drink of heaven. He is the well of heaven. He said, oh, give me something to pot. <laughs> yeah, I'm not weird. <laughs> I'm not weird. <laughs> no, no, nobody changes history as normal. I am madly in love with this man, and I just want to get lost in this. And I, this is what I love. That's why I love that picture. I'm at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the beginning, and I'm. Guess what? My look's going to be on my face, and what's going to be on the look on your face? in a billion years when you see him afresh. Fresh resurrected drool dropping from your lips. As you go, this is what you're gonna say. I've never seen you like this before. And here's the crazy thing, you haven't. You're never gonna get used to him. You're never gonna arrive. You're gonna never gonna go, what are we gonna do now? What's next? There's never going to be a what's next. There's going to be, my God, who are you? Ephesians 2, 7 says that in the ages to come, he's going to show the exceeding riches of his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? You and I will be sitting on thrones. That's crazy. We talk about that a whole nother time. How he takes his enemies and makes them his ruling aristocracy. And I'm going to be pinching myself and I'm going to be looking at you and this is what you'll be saying in a million years. How did I get in here? What Miles was crying about is what we'll be crying about forever. 
you will never get over his kindness. The branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious in that day. <laughs> Isaiah 33 says, your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. He's releasing eyes south to the church in this hour. I'm sorry if this isn't enough for you. Is he enough? Is it enough? Well, this is what you do. You buy a paddle boat. And you're like, I want to sail the Pacific Ocean. It's called the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. He's an endless ocean. His humility is an endless ocean. His meekness is an endless ocean. His tenderness is an endless ocean. His goodness is an endless ocean. All that he is is an endless ocean. And my prayer for the church over the next two months is that he would go from low and barely talked about to high and lifted up. That he would go from low and barely talked about to high and lifted up. I want to touch with those seraphim. I want to enter into that burning realm. We have to know. Amen. Let's stand. We have to know. Victoria, get up there. Get up, get up there, team. You guys are awesome. So open my eyes to see the wonders of your majesty. Join with the song all of heaven sings. Open my eyes to see the wonders of your majesty. Join with the song all of heaven sings. We have to know you. We have to know you. We have to know you. <sighs> what do the angels see? 
Paul says in Philippians 3, that I may know him. Paul, stop it. You know him. You've written the New Testament. You've done more for Christianity than anybody that's ever lived. You're an old apostle. You know Jesus. He goes, buddy, I'm at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. I want to I want to know him. I want to know him in his power realm. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I felt like the last decade was fellowship of sufferings. It was a hard decade for us. So I'm, I'm ready and I'm filled with great expectation that we're about to enter into the power of resurrection. I believe resurrection power is going to touch our homes and our families and our churches and our regions and our cities and our nation. That New England will be set ablaze with the glory of God. That every revival promise will be realized. That spirit of great awakening would touch us again. The power of your resurrection. Just lift your hands. I just want to. Father, Father, do what you love to do. Do what is your ultimate joy and obsession. Abba, look at the darling at your right hand, your darling son. And cure us of our blindness. Cure us of our blindness, I pray. Father, reveal your darling son to our hearts. Release that realm of the undefiled witness of heaven. God, do to us what you did to Isaiah. Oh God, I pray right now that you would shift. Lips get exposed when eyes get open. Holy Spirit, right now, just break it open right now over this room. I want you just to begin to lift up your voice and begin to pray in the Spirit. Let your Spirit reach for Abba now. Let your Spirit reach out. Release the cry of Bartimaeus, Lord, that we may see. Son of David. Son of David, we cry out, open our eyes. Yeah. Weeping, weeping gets the witchcraft out of your eyes. Weeping gets the witchcraft out of your eyes. Lord was talking to me about weeping is the preceding to revelation. John says, I wept much. And he said, stop weeping. Behold one, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed. Hey. Hey. Hey! Hey! Sing in the spirit, Victoria. Put your hands over your eyes. 
Let's give our eyes to Jesus right now. Just say, Jesus, cleanse me of all immorality, all religion, and every other vision. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you for your blood. Come on. I ask you for your blood. Your blood that was shed at Calvary. To wash over me now. Bring that down a little bit. From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I want my thoughts to be clean. I want my emotions to be clean. My desires to be clean. I receive your cleansing. I receive your washing. Say in the name of Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, I shut every door to darkness. I break all agreement with darkness. And I cut every tie with darkness. And in the name of Jesus, I open up new doors. Doors of light. Doors of truth. Doors of revelation. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Satan, I command you. Leave my mind. Leave my emotions. Leave my desires. You are not my master. And I'm not your servant. Jesus is my master. <laughs> fire! 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 So I command you. <laughs> Go. 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 Lift your hands up. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, give me the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him. Open my eyes.
Come on, come on, team. Come on. Something with spirit break out, something. Give us a song that gives language to the heart cry. Lift your voice, people. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just open my eyes. Thank you, God. Just open my eyes. Just open my eyes. Just open my eyes. Open my eyes, God. Just open my eyes. Just open my eyes, oh God. Just open my eyes. 